0: To uh, kick off this sermon series at the beginning of the month, we discovered four words from Jesus with the power to transform our lives. Is anybody here at the beginning of the month that remembers those four words? Four words to change your life. Your will be done. Jesus teaches us to pray for God's will. Right at the heart of prayer is this teaching of Jesus. Show show us your will, Lord, and then help us make it happen. Your will be done. All month, with that as kind of a a foundation, we've been exploring what breakthrough prayer can look like in our lives. How our prayers open possibilities for God's will and God's way to, to break through anything that holds us back, anything that stands in the way of the life that God desires for us. We discovered that, that prayer isn't about getting what we want. Prayer is about seeing what God desires and living in to that. We've witnessed how prayer can free us from the grip of the past, from the sins of the past, to, to help us see God doing a new thing in our lives and our world. We've learned how confidence in, in God's presence through prayer, can help us face the giants in our lives to break through the obstacles that, that hold us back. Today, we're going to conclude this sermon series on breakthrough prayer, and we're going to find, I hope, three more words that we just might need. So what were the first four words? Your will be done. Today, we're going to discover three more words that we might just want to carry forward. Because sometimes... Sometimes our emotions, our rage, our excitement, our hurt, our anxiety, it it still makes it hard to see the path forward. Because sometimes, even after a month of prayer, it feels like, like there hasn't been a breakthrough yet. Because sometimes God can feel distant or prayers can seem unanswered. Because sometimes when the giants seem to be winning we can still just feel like we're ready to give up three more words that we should carry with us for those times let's let's pray and then explore holy god open our ears to hear your word to each of us this day open our hearts And our minds and our souls lead us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in high school, I had this dream of going to Duke University. I'm not exactly sure why, somehow along the way, I was a huge Missouri basketball fan, but I'd become a Duke basketball fan in the early Coach K days, and and I just, I wanted to go to Duke, and so I applied my senior year of high school, and I was accepted into the Duke University Engineering School, and I was really excited, and, uh, and I sat down with mom and dad, and, um, and they weren't supportive, but they said, you know, I mean, we're, you're going to have to figure out how to help pay for this, and you got to keep in mind there's even the costs of going back and forth to North Carolina. You just need to think that through. Well, it, it wasn't financially feasible at the time, and so I ended up going to college in, in Missouri. Fast forward nine years my call to ministry had, uh, I, I finally claimed it, and I was pursuing that call the, the vocation of ministry, and, and, uh, and it just so happens that one of the top schools in the country to uh, get your master's of divinity and study for the ministry is Duke University. The, uh, the Duke Divinity School at Duke University. And so I applied again, and I was accepted into the, into the Duke Divinity School. And I started the process of enrolling. My dream was about to become true. I would be a holy member of the Cameron Crazies. And I might learn some Bible while I was there, too. That summer, before moving to North Carolina, the youth director at the church where I was serving resigned. And he asked me, some of you heard me tell part of this story before, he asked me if I'd go on a mission trip uh, for him and lead a mission trip. He didn't feel right leading this trip, and so I said, sure, I'll, I'll lead this mission trip of youth. And we went to Alaska, we had a great, great mission trip. Shortly after that, as the search in that church began for a new youth director, the senior pastor, Dr. Millard, came to me and he said, I would like you to consider um, becoming our, our youth director here at St. Here at Luke's. I knew my answer right away. Thank you, but no. I am going to Duke Divinity School. I have been dreaming of going to Duke my whole life. I'm headed to Duke. Dr. Millard said he understood. And then he said three words that changed my life. Just keep praying. Let's just keep praying. That's all he said just keep praying. And I I told him I would. I mean, because that's what you tell your senior pastor. And no amount of prayer was going to keep me from my dream of going to Duke Divinity School, right? I mean, it wasn't going to happen. My dream was about to be reality. And I don't know exactly what Dr. Millard meant when he said that. I mean, I don't know if he meant like let, just keep praying about this daily. I, I didn't exactly do that. I don't know if, if, he, if he meant to, for me to pray about this really specifically. I, don't, I didn't exactly do that either. But I tell you what I did do, because I told him I would, and because I do believe in the power of prayer, I kept my mind open to God's will. I kept the conversation with Jesus going about my direction, about my life, about my ministry. So I guess I did just keep praying. And then strange and bizarre and amazing things began to happen. A parent in the grocery store line behind me is like, you know my son Kevin, right? Yeah, I know your son Kevin. Yeah, you have got to take the job and stay as youth director or he won't stay with the church. This is on you. It's like, okay. It's like, we will buy you steak dinners every week if you stay. Then, uh, then it, was a, it was somebody who had no idea that I was even thinking about the position, somebody else in the church, and we were just talking about the youth ministry position, and, and she looked at me and she said, Do you know, I really hope they hire somebody that knows the kids already. It would make this transition so much easier. Then a member of the search team and I were out and, uh, and he was telling me what they were looking for, because I had told him up front I'm not a candidate for the position, so he's telling me what they're looking for, and he goes through this, like, list of, of qualifications and skills, and I'm like, like, those are all the things I learned to do at my first job out of college, organizing people, recruiting volunteers. All of these things by themselves were just kind of bizarre incidents, but it Prayer just opened me to see that God had something else to say. I look back now and laugh at my dream. Someday I am going to get to a game at the stadium. But God had something different than my dream in mind. And by continuing to pray... God was able to open up blessings and opportunities I never would have imagined otherwise. God has led me to be part of ministries that have been incredible. All because a spiritual guide shared three words, just keep praying. Now, this story can make Make it sound like finding God's will is, is simple. Well, if you just keep praying, God will lay it out there. And it, it, God kind of laid it out there, but I left out some details in the story. I left out the really big argument Cheryl and I had in the midst of that. I can talk about that now, by the way. I left out that there were angry people who thought that I would be sharing a room in North Carolina that I bailed on pretty late in the, uh, in the process I left out the, the moment when I realized that God might be calling me something else, and I just like had this tension for days about giving up on this dream that I had had always had. Discerning the path wasn't easy. It was anchored in this question that I think a lot of us have around, around prayer, or maybe several questions, like how do we know God's will for our lives? How do, we, how do we discern God's will when our passions and our desires, we know that those are also given by God and, and can be a part of it? How do we know when those are trumping what God really wants for our lives? How do we determine when our, you know, when, when our, our dreams are from God or, or clouding what God really wants? Our conversations about God's will and following God's will, about prayer, we often have lots of questions, I think like what do we do when we're stuck in a, in a in a hole of life and misery when things just keep piling up when we're praying like is it god's will if if we find ourselves still stuck in the hole a month later i know we don't we don't believe that but what about when we pray and nothing seems to happen right away What if you've prayed and prayed? Some of you have had this experience. You've prayed and prayed for a loved one to change his or her ways, harmful ways, and it just hasn't happened. Or you've prayed and prayed for a relationship to be healed, and it just hasn't happened. Is it, is it God's will that that relationship isn't healed or that they continue to struggle? Like that, That's not it. But how do we go on praying? What should we be praying for? What about those times when we've prayed and prayed, but just don't feel like we've had an answer? Does this mean God isn't there, or God doesn't have an answer? The, the answer is no. But, but what do we do next in those moments? When things don't seem to be going our way, it's okay to ask these questions Because Jesus asked them, and Jesus taught about these questions we have about prayer. Jesus told stories to help us know what to do in these moments. In the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look at today Luke chapter 11, Jesus teaches his followers there a version of the Lord's Prayer, a little bit different than what we pray each Sunday. Jesus teaches them to pray, your kingdom come. Right? Same, same ideas. Your, your will be done. And then Jesus goes on to say this about prayer. We pick it up in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, his followers, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. As we start this passage, notice that midnight is the time of this story. Right? We're talking about a culture where people went to bed at sunset because there weren't lots of electric lights to turn on. They went to bed at sunset and they got up at sunrise. So this is late in the the night. This is Jesus teaching about those moments of the unexpected in our lives. Not the everyday, but the, the moments we don't expect, the moments we're not sure how to deal with or what to do. When things come up and we're unsure, And Jesus goes on then to say this, I tell you, even though he, this neighbor, will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then Jesus goes on, he says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Just to make sure the followers understand what he's saying, he goes on, he says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So does this mean, we might want to ask, does this mean that God will give us anything if we just keep asking? If you just keep asking for that giant screen TV, will it appear on your wall? <laughs> the answer is no, right? Jesus is speaking, in fact, he ends with this statement. He's speaking about God's will, God's presence, the, the, the power and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we ask to know God's presence, if we seek to know God's will and that God is with us, we trust in a God who is faithful to us. Does this mean, we might also ask, that if we just pray right, if we just get the prayer right, then the suffering or the struggle or whatever it is that we want to go away, that it'll just, it'll just go away? And the answer again is No. Jesus says that if we pray as he teaches us, we'll be able to wait patiently and endure anything, confident in the promise of salvation and the truth that even when we can't see it or don't know it, God is at work. We can trust that while things may not go according to our plan, God will meet our needs so we can ask. Jesus never promises for his followers that the suffering will end. He promises the strength and power of the Holy Spirit and that in the end, God's love will win. I'm just curious, how many of you have seen the uh, movie The Shawshank Redemption? A good, uh, a good number of hands have gone up. For those that have seen it or... or uh, love it. Did you know it was a box office like disaster when it first came out? I didn't know. I, I just assumed it was big when it first came out. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, and while the director has said it it isn't overt um, with Christian imagery, it is filled with Christian imagery. For those who haven't seen it, just uh, a quick synopsis: Andy is the central character, the main character, and he finds himself in prison. Um, For the murder of his wife and a lover, but he didn't do it. So he's wrongfully imprisoned. And the movie is really the story of his prison experience and the the people that he meets in prison. There are two Bibles in the movie. I talked about Christian imagery. There are two Bibles in the movie. The first belongs to the warden, a man named Norton. On Andy's first night in Shawshank, Norton tells the new inmates. by the way, this is about to be PG-13 for a moment. It is a prison movie. Norton tells the new inmates, I believe in two things, discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. Nice guy, huh? For Warden Norton, the Bible is a tool of judgment, of condemnation, of control, of, of his own power in that setting. There's a second Bible in the movie that belongs to Andy. Andy's Bible, throughout, is a sign of hope, of future salvation. Andy, in fact, is so empowered that he shares this hope with other inmates Now, that hope and deliverance, it doesn't come right away. In fact, Andy is in prison for 19 years. Not only is he in prison for 19 years, but he holds on to this hope even though the the warden, Warden Norton, actually has another inmate killed in what was an accident because that inmate could could have exonerated Andy who the warden is now using for his own schemes. Nineteen years, and then one morning, Andy disappears. The warden, called to the cell, walks in, sees that Andy is nowhere to be found in frustration, picks up a rock that is on the floor of the cell and throws it at a poster that Andy has on the wall. The rock goes straight through the poster and then the warden pulls off the poster and realizes that Andy has dug a hole all the, way from, all the way through the wall and into a shaft that leads down into the sewer. Andy has been digging his way out for 19 years, a few handfuls of rock at a time with a little bitty pickaxe that fit in his Bible. Andy held on to hope all that time. He was slowly paving his way to freedom with this pickaxe. I mean, we need to go back for just a minute. Did you notice what Jesus said about prayer? What he taught about prayer? Some translations say ask and it shall be given. But a better translation is keep asking and it shall be given. Not just ask once, but keep asking. But Jesus says something else. He says, don't just ask. Ask and then seek. I wonder if it's true for us as as followers of Jesus that in our prayer lives, we tend to ask and then sit back and be like, okay, God, I put it out to you. Now, if you would deliver, that would be great. We tend to just ask, and then instead of sort of digging into our Bible for answers or, or, um, or sharing what's going on with spiritual friends in our community or or serving and letting God move in and through us, we just sort of sit back. The, the classic version of this story, you've probably heard some version of this, the, the guy that prays every single day of his life to win the lottery, if you heard this story, right? Every single day he prays to win the lottery. He doesn't win the lottery. Finally, he, he passes. He finds himself at the, at the heavenly gates. He has a, gets an audience with God on his way, in. he's like, God, I would have done great things with that money. I prayed and prayed that, that, that I... I know, that I'd win the lottery, and God says to him, you know, you could have bought a ticket. <laughs> we laugh, right? But the truth is deeper. Jesus invites us not just to ask, I think we can be really good at asking, but then to seek. And then not just to seek or to keep seeking, but to Knock and keep knocking, to show up at Jesus' door, not once. You know, this is, I think, what we often do. We knock at Jesus' door, Jesus answers, because Jesus will always answer, and we're like, hey, I need this in my life, and then we're done, and we wait for it to happen. In this teaching, Jesus says, no, like, keep asking, keep asking for for God to show up, for God's will to show itself in your life, and then keep seeking it. Like, keep digging in and keep knocking. Don't knock once and say, all right, Jesus, we're good. Knock every day, every moment. Invite Jesus into your life again and again and again. Announce your presence with God every day, moment by moment. Just keep praying. Sue Nelson Kibbe has written several books where, where she talks about breakthrough prayer. It's been kind of the foundation for our sermon series this week. One of the, uh, or this month, one of the methods of breakthrough prayer that she suggests, she calls it the pickaxe prayer. I love that. I love that idea, right? That it, it's it's just continuing, continuing to to. Peck away to continuing to to dig at God's will day in and day out, to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, just like Andy. Don't lose hope. Keep digging a little bit at a time into your faith and know that God's promise of salvation is yours. Just keep praying. And then, I think sometimes, sometimes these pickaxe prayers, what we end up receiving is just the strength to wait patiently. The strength to wait for God's deliverance and salvation. Sometimes, sometimes these pickaxe prayers will will help us to, to just get glimpses of where God is leading Glimpses of what God is is doing in our lives. And sometimes, sometimes I think these pickaxe prayers, they allow us to finally sort of run into the walls of, of what we wanted and begin to see what God wants and realize that if we change direction, we'll experience God's blessing and God's goodness. Sometimes they invite us to try a different door than the one that is shut. And I think in all times, when we just keep praying, our pickaxe prayers remind us that God is faithful and God is with us. The book of Acts tells us that what set the early church into motion was that they just kept praying together, continually praying together. As they did, the Holy Spirit led them out into the world to invite people to know the love and grace of Jesus. So they gathered, and they kept praying, and they were called out to share the love of Jesus with people, and amazing things started to happen. People were saying yes to following Jesus, and people were healed, and then resistance began. Right? They found themselves threatened and in trouble with the authorities. And Luke tells us that in response to the resistance, in response to threats to their own lives, do you know what they did? They just kept praying. In fact, they intensified their prayers. This is a part of their prayer in Acts chapter 4. Right? They said, now, Lord, consider their threats... And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then Acts says, this is what happened next. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That opposition would never go away. The challenges would never go away for them. Some of them would die for their witness. Some would be scattered to other places. But every time they prayed together, the community was strengthened. They just kept praying, and God was faithful. So this would be a great place to end. This would be a great place to finish and talk about praying together and being faithful, but when I say the words, just keep praying, one more image comes to mind that I just feel compelled to share. This is a scene in the Pixar movie Finding Nemo. Maybe it's because I want my kids to be that age again. But in Finding Nemo, near the end of the movie, there's this scene where the, the, uh, Dory and, and Nemo are with the school of fish, and they get caught in a net. And the fishing boat begins to pull the net up, and they just feel trapped. They're swimming in every different direction. They're, they're panicked. It's looking pretty hopeless. And Nemo, Nemo is small enough to slither out. And so he slithers out to his dad, who's just outside the net. But then he turns around, and he looks, and he's like, I can't leave all of my friends. I can't leave all of my friends there in that hopeless state. And so he goes back in with his dad, And then he shares a lesson that he learned from his friend Dory, which is just keep swimming, in this case down. And so they invite all of the fish to just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And the fish begin to swim together, pulling the ship to its side until it's about to tip over. And finally they release the net instead of losing the boat. And the net breaks and all the fish are free. I can't speak for everyone, but I know an awful lot of people who feel like they're stuck in that net. Or feel like the church is stuck in that net. Or feel like someone they know is stuck in that net. And it can feel hopeless and confusing and scary and lonely, but the thing about being the church is that we know that we're not alone. And the greatest gift is that Jesus taught us the direction to swim together. To swim toward God's goodness and grace and love. To swim with each other. To swim toward God's grace in Jesus. Just keep swimming together. You see why I couldn't let it go? Just keep praying. Just keep praying because this is how we hold on to hope together. Just keep praying because this is how we hold together. Just keep praying because this is how we become more aware of God's will for us as individuals in a community. Just keep praying because this is how we grow in faith and understanding. Just keep praying because this is where we find the strength and the hope and the power to face anything. Just keep praying. I would invite you to stand it now as we do close. I hope and pray that the the end of this series is not the end of us praying together. The eight twelve initiative has a couple more days of reminders, and then the reminders to pray every day at eight twelve AM and PM are gonna end. But but the eight twelve prayer is always available, as is the, the Lord's prayer for that matter. And every time we pray these prayers, every time we pray these prayers, we can know that we're not the only ones praying. We can know that there's a whole community that prays to God together. And we can know that in the very recitation of the prayer, just saying the words of a prayer, we are swimming together toward the love and grace of Jesus. So let's pray this prayer together today. Lord, break through all that holds us back. Pull us from darkness. Expand our vision. Light our way forward together. Amen.